to another episode of Everything's Fine. I am your host, as always, Kyle Pagan. Today we have a great episode. Talk a little bit about the Sixers, 12 games left to get that number one seed. And we have an awesome interview with Shane Hallam, an NFL draft analyst from fakepigskin.com. Check that one out. We talk a lot about uh, where the Eagles will go at 12, will they trade up, some of the best bets uh, for the draft, if you are looking to bail on that and whatnot, over five and a half QBs in the first round. That's a personal favorite of mine. Shane didn't like that one so much, but hey, you never know. Just like you never know who's going to suit up for the Sixers. 12 games left in the season, and we still don't entirely know what this team's identity is. And with a full and healthy squad heading into the playoffs, how does this team hold up against the top teams in the NBA? What are the rotations going to be like in crunch time? Is Ben Simmons really recovering from the flu? Because to be honest, that's the first time I've heard someone's had the flu in the last 14 months. For all intents and purposes, the flu has disappeared for good once COVID came in the headliner. I used to get sympathy for the flu, but now if you want a day off from work, you better have chemo appointment or you better have been shot and it better have been above the knee because anything below the knee is a flesh wound. And if you were shot, stitch that up and get behind your computer, it's tax season. It's going to be impossible to get a sick day after this mess. Can you imagine once we get out of this with COVID? Imagine talking to your boss and telling him you have the flu and you can't come in today. I mean, does this is exactly what he's going to say to you. Does the flu cause a global genocide? Does it ravage the healthcare system, send the economy spiraling? Does it infect millions at a rapid rate? It doesn't? Well, we'll see you at three and you're on fire duty now. I mean, good luck ever having sick days ever again. Say you have a cold and you feel like you have to stay in bed all day. Your boss is going to look at you and be like, what have you been doing for the last 18 months while we were all working from home? Should have gotten enough rest then. The flu isn't going to get it done. Because unless it causes a global pandemic that shifts some markets, you better get your ass into your job at the Gymboree. And I'm not giving Ben Simmons a pass because he has the runs. If Ben Simmons wants to boost that defensive player of the year campaign, he's got to come back from something stronger. I need detail your fight with Ebola and like a Players' Tribune article. We're on a four-game losing streak and lost the Eastern Conference lead because of the flu. I mean, the most important thing this season is the number one seed, even if that means having Embiid play and at least one or two of the three back-to-backs we have remaining. Like, right now, if the Sixers had the first overall seed and the, and the season ended today, they would get the Charlotte Hornets, with or without LaMelo, doesn't matter, in the first round. And then if, if everything played out and it was chalk in the second round, they would get the, the Knicks. That is way better than having to either get the Bucks or the Nets in the second round. But the good news here is the Sixers have the easiest schedule over the next 12 games in the entire NBA, and the Nets had the ninth hardest, including two games against the Bucks. The Sixers' toughest opponent would be the Hawks, who they faced twice this week, and there was a good chance Trey Young, he would miss both games with an ankle sprain. Now, I still don't believe in this team and them due to their lack of depth, They don't really have a second scorer. And the fact none of them have been in an environment like the Eastern Conference Finals before, unlike Durant, Harden, and Kyrie. But I do believe in them a lot more if they're playing at home in front of a crowd that will be larger and even more crazy once restrictions are loosened even more in June. And I dove into the clutch stats on NBA.com. These are actually real. They actually can, I guess, measure clutch in the year 2021. 
And they define clutch as the last five minutes of the game when both teams are within five points or less of each other. So both are in the top 10. An offensive rating, Sixers are number six. Defensive rating, Sixers are number three. Effective field goal percentage, true shooting percentage. And the Sixers are 22 and eight in games under five minutes when both teams are within five points of each other, which is the best winning percentage in the NBA. And I never have thought of this team as closers. I've never remembered off the top of my head being happy about a close game besides the Jazz and the Lakers, I would say, in the beginning of the year. I mean, this team may make you want to pull your hair out and you might hate this team, but according to the numbers, we're left more satisfied than we are unsatisfied when it comes down to crunch time. But I think those numbers mean something. I think I could be wrong about the Sixers. I hope I'm wrong about the Sixers. I would love to see the Sixers go to the finals. I think they have a really good chance this year to win the finals, especially with Embiid playing the way he is and Simmons coming back from whatever he's coming back from. I've never seen somebody it take them five games to get back from diarrhea. But whatever it is, it gave them time to rest that knee, get healthy, and make a final playoff push for the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. I think by the end of these next 12 games, the Sixers will have the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. And then it all comes down to how clutch we really are. Let's get over to Shane Hallam, NFL draft analyst, pigskin.com. Tired of pretending that nagging pain in your back, shoulder, or knee isn't really bothering you? Three-dimensional physical therapy is all you need. You don't need to wait for a doctor's appointment, x-rays, pain pills. You can see a physical therapist like the pros do to help you get better, faster, and stronger than you think. 3D PT are the specialists in sports and orthopedic PT and can get you moving again pain-free. They're owned by physical therapists, not a hospital, not a physician group. Their only focus is getting you back to your best health possible. They have five locations in South Jersey and were voted best of South Jersey in 2020. So three-dimensional physical therapy will get you moving again. Their info is linked below, whether you're looking in the podcast or looking on YouTube. So visit 3DPT, sign up and learn more. Barsky Diamonds, the Barsky Boys. It's a family-owned business that's located on Jewelers Row, 724 Sampson Street. You know them. For over a century, they have been a Philadelphia tradition offering the best in value, quality, and customer service. I got a promo code for you, 10% off using promo code FINE, P-H-I-N-E. Mother's Day is coming up. It's engagement season coming up. Uh, Just because season is coming up, that's just because season is always. None of their sales associates work on commission, making their shop a no-pressure environment. And they also create custom pieces. So I've seen some of the custom pieces they create. They're amazing. So if you have something that you want to create it for a special someone, go to BarskyDiamonds.com, put in promo code FINE, P-H-I-N-E, and get 10% off for Mother's Day, for summer engagements, weddings, just because. BarskyDiamonds.com. All right. We're joined here by Shane Hallam. You can find him at Shane P. Hallam on Twitter. Uh, he's the co-host of podcast Devi Marketplace, and he writes at fakepigskin.com. Shane, thanks so much for joining him. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate you having me. It's, uh, it, you know, draft is coming up. It's my favorite time of the year. So I'm, uh, I'm all for it, man. Yeah. How do you get into the draft analyst zone? Like, did you just come out of college? Like, hey, listen, I want to just I just want to rank college kids for the rest of my life. I mean, I actually started in high school. Uh, like my senior year of high school was probably when I first was like, okay, I want to start, you know, watching a little bit. Uh, so that 2004 draft was my first, as I say. And you know, college was a good time. Like you got a lot of free time. I was like, okay, I can actually get into this. And it's kind of when I, you know, really, really um, dug deep and got a little bit of traction. And I've, I've enjoyed it ever since. 11 months out of the year, it's 
this is what it is watching college high school film and um, ranking players. Did you go anywhere good? Uh, anywhere like football program? For I, went, I went to uh, the Ohio State University. Oh. So it was uh, the Troy Smith Heisman <laughs> days. I had a class with Ted Ginn. You know, it was, it was uh, good times. Do you know Troy Smith was going to be a bust right then and there watching him every Saturday? <laughs> I mean, I figured he wasn't going to do much. I was, you know, I was hopeful. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he wasn't an NFL quarterback, unfortunately. Well, I mean, 2004, the last time, that was probably the last great QB class up until this one that we got coming up. I mean, do you think this QB class coming up could rival that 2004 class of Phil Rivers, Eli, Ben Roethlisberger? J.P. Lossman, can't forget him. Don't uh, ever forget <laughs> J.P. Lossman. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, th- I think it could. I, I think the talent is out there um, for you know this class to do that. I mean, I think – Obviously, we have five that are going to go in the first round. Do I think all five are going to be, you know, studs and like that class, like top three of that class? No, it's never going to happen. But uh, I do think, I mean, I think Trevor Lawrence is, is as sure of a thing as you can get. He's my highest rated quarterback since I started doing this. Um, and, you know, so I feel confident with that. I, I think Justin Fields has some some special talents. And those two guys have been the top since their junior years of high school. Like I, I watched their junior year of high school and was like, oh, these guys are going to be pros. So, you know, those two feel really safe to me, even if fields maybe from an NFL perspective is not. And, and then you have to think one of, you know, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, the, the upside there is going to hit. And, you know, if Mac Jones is as smart as everyone says, then, you know, he can do something too. So, I mean, to say like, can we have a, an Eli Rivers and a Roethlisberger? I think so. I think three of the five can hit at that level and make this class really special. I know I listened to your uh, podcast, I think it was yesterday or a couple of days ago, uh, Debbie Marketplace, and you were very high. You had the third pick you guys drafted, and you took Justin Fields at three. And you were very high on Justin Fields to the 49ers and whatnot. And Mac Jones right now is the betting favorite to go to the 49ers. So – I listened and I thought you made some good points about Justin Fields. What do you like about Justin Fields over Mac Jones? I just think Justin Fields has that upside of being a special player. You know, I, that really to me is um, undeniable in the NFL. Like why, you know, why hit a single when you can go for a home run? And I understand sometimes those players don't work out. Um, sometimes the singles don't work out very well either. And so I think Justin Fields has, the obviously the physical talents, you know, not just from a mobility perspective, but he has the arm strength. And this is a player who played his best game in the biggest, you know, second biggest game of his career, I guess, uh, against Clemson in that playoff game this past season. Uh, I, for, I think that point was when I, I really solidified, like, if he can do that in this setting, getting hurt, you know, I, yeah. I think this is a guy that can play in the NFL. Um, and then you add on just today's NFL of a 4-4 player at that size at the quarterback position. And he wasn't a player that ran all the time. You know, as, as an Ohio State alumni, I got angry sometimes. They didn't run. <laughs> so you just run for that first down. He's looking downfield to try to make, you know, try to make the play, which is from an NFL perspective is what you want. You, you can teach the guy to run, you know, but, but it's, it's harder to – not having panic and be looking down the field. So um, I think his pocket awareness is just so good. I think it's something Mac Jones really lacks that people don't talk about. Um, Now, like that championship game against Ohio State, 
Mac Jones obviously played really well. He, he was pressured like three times. And the first time was a fumble he gave up, you know, right, right in the back of the end. So like he, he struggles with pressure when he faces it. It's not much. Um, and, and so I think Justin Fields handles that so much better uh, than a Zach Wilson even and a Mac Jones. And I think that's going to be a big difference uh, day one in the NFL. And it's no Ohio State bias because, I mean, let's call a spade a spade. The Ohio State quarterbacks, you know, Haskins, JT Barrett, uh, Braxton Miller, a lot of those guys should owe some money to, uh, to Ryan Day to where, they got, to where they got drafted. So that's, there's no Ohio State bias on the Justin Fields pick? I, look, you, you can pay me with some bias if you want to. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I had him ranked number two coming out of high school. When he was, you know, at Georgia not playing, he was still my number two quarterback in this class. Uh, so he's been there since before he even was going to Ohio State. Uh, and, yeah, you know, I, I also think Ryan Day being the head coach, uh, who you know, not being the head coach for Haskins for, you know, those past quarterbacks makes a difference too. And, and not that the Ohio State offense translates well. Like, it doesn't – that's the question. that I think that's why teams have questions uh, where there's not a lot of progressions. There's a lot of waiting, looking at that first read, a lot of option routes, which can be difficult – you know, I'm not saying it's like an easy task, but um, feels essentially waiting for the option route to hit, and if it's a you know the the first read's correct or not. So he's staring at that first read for a long time, and just looks really bad on film, um, but has that success. So you know, maybe there's a little bit of bias. I don't know, but uh, honestly, I think um, I think there's a lot of other very very smart people that that uh, I talk to that also feel Fields is you know well ahead of. Um, Wilson, Lance, and Jones. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, and, the, and the negative stereotypes that come out with him is where he, like, he doesn't love the game enough, and then you're like, well, he's the one who basically led the charge for the Big Ten to replay. He takes you know, injections uh, into his ribs for, uh, for when he took that shot against Clemson and whatnot. It, I just don't understand the he doesn't love the game and whatnot. And then you know, you're supposed to look at Mac Jones and be like, oh, yeah, well, that guy loves the game. So, I mean – there are some biases that go on in this and how, and, and I'm sure you've talked to a lot of people and whatnot. And is, is that something you see a lot of like just smoke screens and biases being floated around at this time of the year? So that, you know, stuff like where Justin Fields is the number two best quarterback. Is that just smoke screens from, from teams is, I don't know if I, I asked that question properly, but. No, I, I know what you're saying for sure. I, I mean, I think there's a piece of that that happens at this time of year. Do I think that every NFL team thinks Justin Fields is the number two quarterback? No. Um, you know, m- maybe a lot of them don't. Uh, but I do think that there are teams that like him a lot. Uh, and, I, you know, when we talk about smoke screens, I think a perfect example is um, came out you know a day or two ago that he has epilepsy and mm-hmm. takes pills for epilepsy, right? Something that um, you know Alan Fanica did as a pro. Like it's not a big deal. It's nothing to do with football. But like that sounds really. He has a neuro disorder. It like sounds really bad. Yeah, it does. You yeah. know that to me is a, that's that's Bill Belichick or someone. You know, floating this thing out, trying to get this guy to fall. Like that's that's the type of thing you try to put out there. So. Um, and I don't know if that stuff even ever works, but it can't hurt uh, if you want a guy to follow to you. So I think this is a time of year where maybe a lot of those narratives of he doesn't love the game, uh, he's not a hard worker, you know, and when all the evidence has been to the contrary, um, you know, look, co- scouts, coaches, GMs, they're humans. And the more they hear something, the more likely they are to believe it. 
whether it's what you know they figured out or not, and other teams use that to their advantage. Were you at on Zach Wilson? Because obviously he's going number two overall, especially with the Jets just trading Sam Darnold. I have a little bit of a worry that a guy who went, where do they go? They went uh, six and six last year at BYU. They go nine and two this year. Him coming out of nowhere and being as small as he is and being in New York at a franchise that has never really been uh, pretty good with, with quarterbacks in, in, the, in the 21st century. Where do you feel with, with, with Zach Wilson there? He's my number three quarterback, and I'm definitely uneasy about him. Um, it's, and I think this sometimes is a fallacy of draft talk. It's like either you love a player or you hate a player. Like that has to be your two extremes, right? And Zach Wilson to me is it's kind of an unknown, you know, and sometimes it's tough for a draft analyst to admit, like, I'm not really sure, but I'm not really sure. Like what he did this past season was incredible. You know, his downfield accuracy, I mean, it, it's uh, mind boggling. You watch him and you, um, you know, you really buy in. And then you, you, you go back and watch two years ago and he's not very good at all. Right. And he had a shoulder injury. There are some issues. So it's like, okay, is, is that the, was, was that the reason or um, the defenses two years ago were a lot better. And, you know, even teams like Boise state, right. You know, Curtis Weaver was still there. They still had some top pass pressures. He was getting pressured. Zach Wilson under pressure two years ago was was pretty bad. This past year, the you know, he really didn't play a team that rushed him very much. Mm. And I'll say the other thing kind of with that is, I think not only just the the pressure, but when defenses would disguise what they did pre-snap, I think he really struggled to uh, mentally figure it out. And we saw that this year, and the one game we saw was Coastal Carolina, probably the best defense he faced, yeah. that they were disguising their defense. And he didn't play really bad or anything, but uh, he really had to extend plays. He, you know, he seemed lost early in a lot of those snaps. Uh, and, you know, luckily Coastal Carolina's a good team. They had a good pass rusher in Taron Jackson. But they're not, you know, he wasn't playing Alabama in a playoff game. So he had time to move around the pocket and – find a guy open, play a little backyard football. So that's my fear with the Jets is you bring him in. Is does he have is he able to process pre-snap what defenses are doing if they're disguising things? Is he able to handle pressure? Uh, if he's able to do those things and has enough pocket awareness, then I think you have, you have a guy that could be really special. Um, I just I, I can't confidently say that he can do those things well in the NFL, and that's what scares me. When does the draft get good, you think? We're thinking like Bengals go chase over Sewell. The New England maybe maybe moves up to uh, number eight with the Panthers or maybe the Falcons trade back. Where do you think the, the draft might get pretty good? It's a good question. I, I, think, I think that's seven. Okay. Like Detroit Lions are a team, I think, that could move back. I think there could be a jockeying of – Denver, New England to move up a couple spots, you know, and, and grab a Trey Lance, grab, you know, grab uh, Justin Fields is still there. Um, yeah, I, I think that's going to be the spot. I think, I mean, four, it could be four for Atlanta. That's feels likely, but I think yeah. it's going to be too expensive for people. And I don't think Atlanta is going to want to move like way back. Yeah. So if you're Denver, you probably could move up to four, but you probably don't have to. I don't think anyone else can. So, you know, I think I, so that's why I feel like that 
you know, six, we heard some rumors Miami might move back down after moving up. Seems a little crazy to me. Do you think they regret that trade that they made? It's like, well, what do you, like with the Eagles? Like, you, 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 they got a they got a pretty nice haul for San Francisco, and then they traded back to the Eagles, and it's like they have like buyer's remorse now. It's weird. I say, it almost feels to me like they thought like Cincinnati's going sold, like no doubt. Yeah. And now that the Bengals are taking Chase, like ah oh, crap, we we want Chase, and we thought we'd definitely get him there. Like, why not wait? And fit? like, you know, uh, yeah, it seems weird to me. That's where I thought the Eagles had pretty good intel that um, Atlanta might go fourth and then Chase might go fifth. And then they're like, okay, those are, uh, or sorry, Atlanta might go pits and then Chase right. might go fifth. And that's where I feel like that's why they moved back. And now there's rumors that they're trying to get back into top 10. But say we have QBs go top four, whether Atlanta's there or whether Atlanta's not there. What is one star you could see who could potentially start to fall maybe to the early teens? Uh, that's, that's a good, that's a good question as well. I, I think to, when we talk early teens, I mean, I would say Devonta Smith is probably that, that guy, you know, I, I think it's probably a 50, 50 of which Alabama receiver goes first, if it's Waddle or Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think there are going to be teams, maybe Miami. You know, I think Miami could be that linchpin if they stay at six, which one do they take? Um, and then like, if they take Waddle, and I think Panay Sewell will fall a little bit, but I think teams like Detroit or Carolina will take him. You know, who's really going to take Devonta Smith? You know, I mean, if it's Eagles 12 mm-hmm. or you're, you know, he could fall down the board even further. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think it could be – I would say Smith is more likely than Waddle to fall. I think uh, he would be my prediction. Are you worried about the weight? Uh, of, of Devonte Smith, I, I just all the stories that come out is this dude just competes. He's a dog. Like he will, he can shed blocks. I mean, he can shed coverage. And like, where where are you? Are you high on him? Because I feel like that's another one where it's like, yeah, he's the Heisman, but he's also like 165 pounds soaking wet. I mean, I, I, I'm worried. I mean, I'm okay. definitely worried about him. Um, not that. Once again, it's not like he sucks. He's going to be a bust. Mm-hmm. But it's if I'm going to take him in the top ten, like I want him to be Julio Jones or AJ Green, and he's certainly not going to be that. Okay. So at and and then the 160 pounds at the second, you know, the combine medical recheck. Now, I mean, this is a guy that refused to get on a scale at the senior bowl. Refused to get on a scale at either pro day because he knew he couldn't get up. To, to even one, I mean, 170, 175, I would have been fine. There's probably a lot of receivers in the NFL listed at like 190 that are playing at 179 or something uh, in the 170s. But if he can't get any higher than 160, you know, it, it's a, I think it is an issue. Now, I think he's super talented. I think he's, you know, one of the most intelligent receivers I've watched in years at the college level, knowing what the defender's going to do. I mean, he seems to always know what the guy's going to do. Uh, obviously studies film really well. He's quick, you know, he's explosive. Like I, I don't question any of those things, but um, I don't think he could be a number one receiver. I don't think you can put him against the best corner of the other team uh, against a good cornerback in the NFL. I, I don't think he can win that as with every trick he has. And that to me is just not worth the top 10 pick. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I, so I, I really struggle to even know where he's going to go. I, I think um, I think some teams will be scared away. I think some won't, but I think it's going to be really tough for teams to take a 160 pound receiver 
um, you know, before the early teens. So if you were someone like the Eagles, obviously I've told you we were a Philly sports podcast. You'd have a tough time if you were an Eagles fan being like, okay, we took Jalen Rager last year and now we're taking Devontae Smith. Like that would, wouldn't be the happiest. It seems like. I, I would not advise to do that. <laughs> like I, I just, it, you know, after, and maybe Jalen Rager can bring it back. I personally don't think he can, but maybe he can bring it back and still be, you know, don't tell a me solid, that. A solid, well, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't the biggest fan pre-draft of him, but you know, I think maybe, you know, but kind of in, in a similar vein, like I don't think Jalen Rager's number one. I think mm-hmm. he could be a good number two. Like you don't want to draft another good number two. You're really going to be stuck out there. If I, if I was the Eagles, I would rather wait to, you know, to the second round and take a, a Terrace Marshall from LSU, take someone that has the size, a Nico Collins from Michigan, like take someone with that Alshon Jeffrey type of upside. Um, and that could be a number one, you know, young and healthy, healthier than Jeffrey is now. But, you know, that kind of type of player, I think is what the Eagles really need. Okay. So let's get into the number 12 pick for the Eagles. The, the fans consensus I would say around here is, is Devonte Smith, Jalen Waddle, JC Horn, Patrick Sertan. That's probably the four that we keep hearing about. You know, everyone's crossing their fingers, hoping pits may fall. That ain't happening. No, no. Um, take, let's take Smith on the board since we just talked about him. If you're the Eagles, you got 12. Let's say Smith goes to um, the Giants at 11, even though they signed Kenny Galladay, uh, I still think they could be in Dave Gettleman's usually the next man up kind of, kind of guy. Um, let's do Waddle, Sir Tanner Horn. Where do you think, who do you think, excuse me, would fit best in the Eagles scheme? I think if you have the choice of, of the three, I, I think I would want Patrick Sertan. Mm. Um, I, I think he would be the best fit. And I, you know, I, I like both him and JC Horn. I think either one it would be a slam dunk at 12 um, and personally, I just think Sertan is with his size and length, there's a lot more you can do with him. You know, he can jam a guy, he can play zone coverage. He can play man. He's just more kind of versatile. Like I think JC Horn's the best man cover corner in the draft, which if that's, you know, if Sertan's gone, if he goes 10 to Dallas and, and the Eagles get JC Horn, you know, be happy with that. I, I absolutely would. Uh, Cause I think he can be, be on an Island against most NFL receivers. Um, but I just think Sertan, I mean, that, that size strength speed combination is rare. I think even when he's not playing his best uh, that can make up for some deficiencies. Whereas like JC Horn has to be on. And, and there's some games where I wouldn't say full games, portions of games when JC Horn wasn't, on and you know struggled a little bit uh, but 90 percent of his tape last year was just like sticky corner main cover one-on-one like always in position so I, I, both those guys like give me either of those top corners i'm happy because i think there's a big dip after those two and um I, I would definitely want one of them so where so people are high on patrick sertan and i'm I, I get scared because, like, you obviously have like your 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 Mika Fitzpatrickses and um and and Jones. I forget his first name from the Cowboys, um, the cornerback, um, or sorry, Trayvon Diggs. My fault. Yeah, Trayvon Diggs. Yeah. Um, and then you have like your Drake Kirkpatrick's, who kind of never lived up to the hype and whatnot. What separates him from like a ca- the Bama guys that are like Minka and and what did I just say? I forgot his name again. Diggs. Yeah, Trayvon Diggs. Right. <laughs> and and then the guys are uh, Tr- Drake Kirkpatrick's. Um, I, you know, I think what really separates him is that he's not, you know, a kind of a stiff 
maxed out um, corner, right? Like uh, I think Drake Kirkpatrick was not the best athlete, um, you know? And so I think when you talk Alabama, it's like sometimes they can get by. Well, I was talking about this. They can get by with those lesser talented guys can do just fine around that better talent. They look a lot better. And like, they're really, it's really hard to scout Alabama because everyone looks great. Um, so to me, a lot of times it comes down to like size and athletic ability. Like if, you know, if you're an Alabama player and you don't have that, then maybe everyone else kind of propped you up. Right. Um, and when you're a guy like Sertan or I think Diggs last year, uh, and I think absolutely Fitzpatrick had is good size, good athletic ability. Like that's carrying this defense. If you go back, you know, we talk about Trevon Diggs who played well last year, but you go back two years ago and you watched Jamar Chase, the LSU Alabama game. I mean, he got abused and Sertan didn't, wasn't on Chase much, but held his own, you know, better than Diggs did. Mm-hmm. And so then when we see Diggs have a good rookie season, to me, it's like, okay, I, I think Sertan can uh, make it happen. So, um, do I, you know, it's, there's, I don't think there's ever a slam dunk with an Alabama player. Like, there's always a question in the back of my mind. Uh, but I, I think Sertan just, uh, you know, is, is the number one corner in this draft for sure. Would Waddle be a good compliment? That might be a stupid question, but what, would Waddle be a good compliment for this, this team? I mean, I think he, I think he can be. I, th- I think for Philly, um, you know, has gotten used to having that kind of deep threat electric player. You know, Sean Jackson did that for a while, and I think it is an important aspect to have. That's probably not on the team right now. You know, I think maybe a couple of those rookie dart shots last year, Quez Watkins. You know, uh, hoping maybe could be that kind of guy. I mean, Jalen Waddles on a whole five other levels. Um, and I think there's a, a possibility that Jalen Waddle was much better than he seems. Right. Um, so he, he's one of those players kind of maybe, maybe it is a little bit of that Alabama kind of bias from just like, like he, he if you, if you played for someone else and, and looked the way he does, I probably would be in, you know, but it's like, well, you know, there could there could be less to it. But, I mean, he, he's an electric player. And the question is just is, is he like Henry Ruggs, like nine-route deep threat, that's all you are, uh, which in which case I probably wouldn't want to spend the number 12 pick on Waddle. Or is he, you know, a, a very dynamic playmaker? You know, I hate to pull Tyree Kill out, right? That's who everyone uses. And it's, there's no not another Tyree Kill. But that player that can mm-hmm. take a screen, that can take a bubble, that can – do the nine route that can run a slant, you know, and I think Waddle might be that. And if, if he is, then, you know, then, um, then he's worth a pick. Like I, I'm not a hundred percent comfortable, but um, I think if that's what the Eagles end up with, um, it could really help this offense. Is there anyone I'm not thinking of anyone that you could see maybe they go for at 12? I know Sean Slater could be there. Could he pay? Um, people are saying Chris, uh, sorry, Christian Darisau. Yeah, I think if I think I mean if Rashawn Slater is sitting there at twelve, I think it'd be tough to pass on him because uh, I, I think he's a top ten pick. But t- to me, I think he'll be gone. So I, yeah, I really, I really like personally. I like the J.C. Horn value and fit at twelve. I think that all kind of lines up for Philly. I think 
it would be one of the happiest people have been in years uh, since <laughs> Carson Wentz got drafted. Um, before I get you out of here, I want a couple of NFL draft props. Um, I know you, you, you've been looking into some of them. Is there anyone that sticks out to you that you'd like to share with the people, make a, make a nickel or two on, uh, on Thursday? <laughs> sure. I, so I think one of the big ones that, that, I, that I've bet on is um, Najee Harris is over under. Okay. Um, I, I think I can't remember the exact, maybe, maybe he's at like 29 and a half, 30 and a half. I mean, I, I think he's getting drafted in the top 25. Mm. Uh, I think Pittsburgh is probably his floor. I think he's going to get drafted there if he's there and 18 to Miami might even be a possibility. So like, I, I think he's, um, he's a, a player to kind of bet that, you know, that over under on um, and, and get that in. Um, trying to think what else I, I was looking at some of these, Yesterday, we were talking about some of the uh, positions. Because um, you could bet on, like, teams first, you know, their pick, like, what position. Mm-hmm. Washington, I think, is one. Like, sometimes these quarterback-needy teams can give you good value. Because, uh, like, Washington, I don't think they're going to get a quarterback. So, that's I think that's the highest odds. So, I, I think they're going to take a linebacker. And you can get some decent odds of Washington taking a linebacker. Jeremiah Wusukormo, I think, will probably have him taking in my final mock draft. Um, so that's a player. And then, uh, Minnesota Vikings are one as well. I think they take a pass rusher, which a lot of people seem to think, but except Vegas, Vegas thinks they're taking an offensive lineman. So I, I would probably, I actually put a couple bucks down on that cool. as well. So what, what do you think about QBs over five and a half in the first round? And I have Davis Mills. <laughs> uh, I, I think you're just like setting your money ablaze <laughs> by betting the over on that. Uh, like n- nothing's ever guaranteed in the NFL draft. Um, this is close to gu- guarantee <laughs> that there's not going to be a six quarter. I think it's more likely the sixth quarterback is off the board in the third round than the first round. So wow. uh, Davis Mills, Kyle Trask, Kelamond, not that that's that they're not it. Not even if like say the the top five go and New England doesn't get one, and then New England make come back around in the in the thirty second pick with the Bucks, the Bears, no. the Saints, nobody. No, no. The, those players aren't even sniffing first round like value, second round value. So all right, not I'm gonna, gonna tweet at you. Davis Mills gets picked in. Look, look, like, like I like I, I will. I'll be passed out on the ground if that when that happens. So <laughs> you can tweet at me, but uh, yeah, yeah. Feel free to yell at me if it happens. But right. what's it? What's it like following fifteen thousand people? By the way, is that just a bot that did that, or is it just like what's your timeline like? Uh, so. I, not a bot. That's me. Uh, you know, I, I generally try to like follow people back or follow people that yeah. like tweet at me or tweet at other people. Like I don't look at my timeline. Like it's okay. just, I, I have, I have two lists of kind of fantasy and NFL college. That's what I look at when I want to see where people tweet. I add them to those lists and that's enough for me. So, so is that what I got to do? I start, start making lists. That makes sense. Yeah. So that, that okay. way, I, that way, I, you know, I can follow a lot of, I don't know, maybe it looks dumb. Like people are like, oh, you follow too many people. I'm like, no, nah. like, I, I, I want to, you know, I want to get, if someone follows me, I, I feel like yeah. it's nice to follow You're back. a generous you know, guy. You're, like, you're, a, you're a nice Midwestern Ohio State guy who just you yeah. know, likes to give, likes to get and likes to give. I like that. No, I mean, I just always was interested in that. Like people who follow, like, I mean, there's some guys, some guy followed me the other day. He follows like 274,000 people. I was like, that can't be right. What are you doing? <laughs> like, you can't look at that. You can't, <laughs> you can't look at your timeline because it never stops. Yeah. So I've always been interested in the people who follow like thousands and thousands of people. So I'm glad you actually made sense of it because it's always something that has just interested me. 
Yeah, yeah. It's uh, tw- tw- I've been, you know, I've been on Twitter since I think January two thousand nine. I'm right there uh, with, with with one account, so it's yeah, it's always been a learning experience. <laughs> well, go follow him at Shane P. Hound because he'll follow you back if you want to if you want to follow. He he won't read your tweets, but he'll follow you back. <laughs> well, tweet at me if you want me to read something. Then I'll yeah. read it. Yeah, exactly. Well, Shane, thanks so much for coming on, man. You can uh, you can go catch Shane at Devi Marketplace. He's a co-host on that podcast. I'm sure you've got some stuff coming out before Thursday, right? Yeah, I think Pigskin. I'll have uh, my final mock draft, all seven rounds, so you can see what I think you know Philly will do for every pick they have. And uh, my top 100, I won the Huddle Report contest most accurate top 100. Mm-hmm. I had 86 of the top 100 last year, so damn, we're going for. Uh, for another title this year. Did you have Jalen Rager to the Eagles? I I did not. Jalen yeah, Rager was not a pick, not a first round pick ahead. You know, I, I got I got Justin Jefferson right, but Jalen Rager not not quite. Everybody, it's very rare a consensus Philadelphia gets a mock draft right. Everybody and their mother had Justin Jefferson, and not many people were like excited about it. You're like, okay, if this is the guy, this is the guy. And they go with Jalen. And then a year later, you're like, oh no. <laughs> it's it's only in Philadelphia, right? Yeah. Yeah, I feel bad. I feel bad for you guys. Well, Shane, thanks so much, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, that's the end of another episode of Everything's Fine. I am your host, Kyle Pagan. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing, uh, leaving a review or a comment. It really helps the podcast be discovered by other people. And uh, tell your friends. Really appreciate anyone listening. And uh, see you Wednesday.